0: How many of you never want to see Turkey again as long as you live? Amen. <laughs> well, the truth of the matter is that sometimes you meet people in the course of your life, and I, I want to begin right here. My message today, and I'm just going to make a number of comments and then I'll dive into the word. But sometimes you meet people, and have you noticed? they never let anything interfere with them praising and worshiping God. I mean, nothing, no matter what they're going through, nothing is going to stop their single focused devotion and attention that is directed toward the Lord. My father-in-law was like that. He was a great Christian. He's been going to be with the Lord a number of years. And if it was time for service, and I've been there at his house when this would happen. Jerry and I talked about it last evening. It was her dad. And if somebody dropped by and it was time for church, you know what he would do? He would smile and he would say, it sure is good to see you. And I'm going to church. Lock the door when you leave, okay? And he would get up. And if you wanted to stay, you could stay, but everybody in that house was going to church except the guests and the visitors that had dropped by. He loved worshiping God. He was was that committed. I remember the very first time that I ever saw him in that little church that he attended at the time. I was sitting right behind him and his wife. They came to be my in-laws. They loved God. And my father-in-law even went home to be with the Lord from church. Literally, it was on a Saturday morning and he was helping prepare breakfast for a men's meeting that was gonna take place in just a little while. And he went home directly from church. What a way to go. I have met people who make God the absolute focus of their lives. And there's something about them when they're at church and it's time to worship. Man, they're all in, they're the first on their feet. The first with their hands lifted in the air and they live for that moment. And it's not about them either. They it, it never becomes a show that is centered or focused around them. Instead, when you watch them worship, you say to yourself, man, I'd love to experience what they're experiencing right now. Because it is so clearly communicated in their Devotion that something is going on between them and God that it makes you realize that it could be happening to you too. But usually, what we do, the rest of us, is we look at that and we say, Yeah, if I didn't have so much going on in my life right now and so many problems, I, I could do that too. I, I could be that focused. And then afterward, when you talk to these people that are radical worshipers like that, you find out that they are actually going through the same things at that moment while they're worshiping that everybody else is going through. I mean, like they've had COVID three times just like the rest of us. And they've had the flu and they have situations on the job and they come home stressed and they have other problems with in laws and outlaws, you know what I mean? But nothing interferes with their worship. Amen. And as we near the end of 2022, and we're almost at the end of it already, how many have a lot to be thankful for that God has done for you this year? Isn't God good? Amen. You see, these people that I'm describing are people who have learned to be thankful. And I wanna talk to you about something today that grows out of being thankful at that level. You see, when you're overwhelmed with gratitude, it's easy to become a radical worshiper. And by radical, I'm not talking about doing anything that makes you the center of attention. It's what I just said a while ago. That in your moments of worship, people look at you and say, man, I want that. I, I, I want to feel what they're feeling. I want that kind of relationship with God. But it doesn't begin there. It begins because they have taught themselves to see the many good things in their lives that God has been doing for them. And that in spite of, of challenges. And one thing that I've noticed, I'll say this before I dive into the word, that God seems to honor that in a way that is extraordinary because when you are a radical worshiper, and if you wonder why I'm using that term, I'm in a series, Andrew and I have been entitled The Radical Zone because so many people live their lives in some place that's more mediocre than it is radical. And I won't tell you, if that's you, you need to get with a program. We live in a day and age when nobody should be anything but radical about something. Everybody you know is radical about something. They're radical about the environment or about politics or the economy. Oh my. Amen. In fact, it is no longer politically correct for you to not be radical. You got to be radical to fit in. Well, let me give you something that it's perfectly okay being radical about, and that's loving God, amen, Amen. that's true. And God honors that because when you are a radically committed worshiper, you know what, you can't help but come out on top no matter which way life throws you, you land on your feet, Listen to the psalmist in Psalms 121 verses 1 through 3. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. When you're a radical worshiper, God makes a commitment that nothing is going to shake you. Psalms 46 says the same thing, basically. Verse one and two, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. That's getting pretty bad. But God said, you don't have to fear. I'm committed to you. Because you're a worshiper. With that in mind, I want to read a familiar text of scripture and hopefully tweak your understanding of that just a little bit today. In Romans 12 and verse number one, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, everybody say this, a living sacrifice. One more time, a... Sacrifice, Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Father, I thank you today for the word of God that inspires us, it challenges us, it anchors us, it helps us. I want you to speak today and speak to us where we live. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. A living sacrifice. To understand the meaning of that verse, and we hope to dig into that just a little bit this morning, you must remember this. Sacrifices were a part of Israel's system of worship. Sacrifice wasn't what we often think of, oh my God, that's such a sacrifice. It cost me so much to get here I had to literally get up this morning at 10 o'clock to make it for the 11 o'clock service. That was a sacrifice. And I had, to, I had to drive five minutes from my house to get here. On the belt. Now I'm talking about when you understand what a sacrifice was from the biblical perspective, It was giving God worship. There is a cause effect relationship between people being thankful as I spoke of a while ago about my father-in-law and them becoming radical worshipers. Many Christians have never learned the connection between the two. And by God's grace, I want to try to explain that to you today. People, who see themselves as blessed no matter their present situation, love to give thanks to God. Amen. And just so that we can all be on the same page once again, how many here today are blessed one more time? Amen. Okay. Thankful people love to worship. Unthankful people find it challenging to worship, hard to worship, much less ever become a radical worshiper. You see, when people realize that they're blessed, the very term itself means that you didn't just do all this good stuff that's in your life by yourself. It makes you aware that the blessings in your life come from a source. James 1 and 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. It all begins with God. And if the blessings, in, let's back up. If you're blessed and if those blessings come from a source, then the natural progression in your thinking should be like, wow. I need to thank God for what he's done. Worship doesn't even begin until you have offered God thanksgiving, doesn't? Psalms 100 says we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. The very first step in the direction of worship is to give God thanksgiving. The Apostle Paul, let me talk about him for a moment, knew that he was blessed. And when you read in his writings, one of the things that leaps out at you is that you realize he constantly was expressing his gratitude to God for everything that God had done in his life. I'll give you a few of those verses. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Or how about this one, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ. Or 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Or how about Ephesians 5.20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how Paul lived his life. If you read his writings, one of the things that leaps off the pages at you is that he was overwhelmingly filled with gratitude. And what is amazing, if you don't know the story of Paul, you could be excused for thinking, well, man, he must have had a really easy life. But when you read his story, you find out that he had anything but that. Second Corinthians eleven twenty three through twenty eight. Listen to some of the things that he candidly one day talked about having going through, gone through. He spoke of being in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often, face death many times. From the Jews five times I received forty stripes, minus one. Whew, that wasn't fun. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep in perils often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil and sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst and fastings, often in cold and nakedness. Wow! Besides the other things that comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Like Paul, how could you be thankful when you've gone through all of this? Man, he was overwhelmed with gratitude. In spite of, everybody say, in spite of, in spite of all that he endured. Amen. You don't find him complaining. But can I get real honest with you and talk to us where we live? We complain because the drive through window at Whataburger takes too long. <laughs> or the line at H-E-B or Kroger was too long when we went to buy a turkey for Thanksgiving. Amen. Paul had no time for that. He understood one of the most important principles of life that you will ever learn. And that is what you focus your attention on, you will become full of that. If you focus your attention on the pits in life, you become pitiful. <laughs> but if you focus on the great things in life, you become grateful think about it amen and paul wasn't just thankful himself he felt that that was such an important principle that he admonished us that's me and you to live our lives in radical thanksgiving as well 1st Thessalonians 5:18 through 19 in every thing give thanks you might not be able to give God thanks for everything, but he said, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Whoa, God, you don't know what I'm going through. And God says, have you been shipwrecked three times? You've been stoned and left for dead. You've been beaten and received stripes on your back five times. 40 minus one, which means 39 stripes. Have you been stoned? Have you been in fasting? Have you been adrift in the ocean? Have you been? And all of a sudden you realize we haven't been through nearly what some people have been through that maintained an attitude of gratefulness to God. Amen. Can I do something right now? Because there are people in this building today that are struggling with physical conditions. If you are here today and you have good health and life, can I have somebody just begin to shout and say, thank you, Lord. Amen. There are folks here that have lost loved ones. If your kids are alive, can somebody just say, thank you, God? So Paul said in everything give thanks because that's God's will for you. And the very next verse says do not quench the spirit. Wait a minute. Oh, oh, oh. that left out at me the other day. Do you mean that if I am not thanking God that I could be tying the hands of the Holy Spirit to work in my life? You could be Making the doors that God wants to open remain closed. You could be blocking your own miracle. You say, but you know, I mean, isn't it normal for me to have all these problems and focus on them? Of course it's normal to have problems. And of course it's the desire of this flesh to focus on the things that are going on that are negative in our lives instead of looking to God. Of course, that's what, that's what we do. That's what, that's what fallen nature does. To understand this principle of being a living sacrifice, let me remind you that Paul knew what sacrifices were. He was Jewish and a rabbinical scholar, so he understood better than most what those sacrifices represented. But here's what happened because Paul remained thankful in spite of the challenges in his life. He became a radical worshiper. And I want to explain what that means. You see, back in the day, they didn't just offer a sacrifice every once in a while. They had a sacrifice that they put on the altar every morning that burned throughout the whole day. And then at night or in the evening, they would put another sacrifice on the altar and it would burn all night long till the next morning. There was a continual sacrifice of worship. That was in addition to all of the other sacrifices that they gave during different times of the year for different reasons and, and so forth. And one of the things that they would do when they would offer a sacrifice, and this has always intrigued me, is they would take a certain amount of wine. You didn't know this, did you? And they would pour it on the sacrifice as it was being consumed. Marcus Witt was with us recently and he talked about what that wine represents in scripture. It represents the joy of the Lord. In other words, God wanted the sacrifice, but he wanted, remember it was worship. He wanted the worship to be given to him with joy, not like, oh, I had to get up this morning and come to church. I, you know, goodness, I guess I'll go because it's my Christian duty and, and need to. And You know, it wasn't that. God wanted sacrifice to be made with wine. He wanted it to be given with joy. First place we know of that this happens is when God confirms the patriarchal covenant that he had made with Abraham and with Isaac, and he then passes it on to Jacob. At that moment that he confirms it with Jacob, in Genesis 35, Jacob built a stone, a memorial, to always remember that this is where God gave me that promise, and he poured out what they call a drink offering on that stone. Now remember that because that's important. I'm gonna teach you something that you may have never heard before this morning. In Numbers 28 and 14, you find that that drink offering was, as I said a moment ago, one of the requirements of giving the sacrifice. In fact, if it was a larger animal, like a bull, you had to give what was called a a half of a hen, a hen, H-I-N. Not H-E-N That runs around the chicken yard They had a different system Of weights and measures For liquids than we use And so they would use This half of a hen And they would pour that on the bull But if it was a smaller animal Like a ram Then they would only use the third of a hen And if it was a lamb They would use a fourth And they had to pour this On these burnt offerings Now This is really important because the sacrifice was not valid if it didn't have joy mixed in with it. If you wanted to get God's attention, you had to have joy in your heart. Look at what Paul says about his life. Because remember I told you, He was thankful and he got to the point that he managed to be thankful in spite of what he was going through. He was thankful even after they stoned him and left him for dead. He was thankful after being shipwrecked. He was thankful after being beaten and thrown into jail at Philippi. Guess what happened in 2 Timothy 4 verses 6 through 7? Paul tells us, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. Whoa, now you can read that and pass right over it and never even see what I'm about to call your attention to. Paul was saying that I have become a living sacrifice. My life has now become a sacrifice. I am like that offering that they give in the morning and the other one in the evening all day long. My life itself has become praise to God. In other words, let me say it like this. Praise isn't what I do when I go to church. My life has transcended that point. I have become praise in my life. Woo! My, that is is powerful. And as a Jewish scholar, Paul would have known what that referred to. Did you know that's not the only place that he made that statement? But in Philippians 2 and 17, he says this as well. And yes, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. What Paul was saying was that my life has become worship. That to me defines what radical worship is really all about. Because most of us believe that worship is what you do when you go to church. Or worship is what you do in your devotions. It's that, but radical worship is more than just worshiping when you come here. Radical worship is reaching the place that every moment of your life, you are in the process of giving God thanks just with your very existence. Your attention is on him and his goodness and you are so overwhelmed with thankfulness that you've already shifted up to a higher level of worship than those who just come to church and worship for the 45 minutes of the worship service. Recently, one of our men lost his dad. I don't know if brother Michael is here, but I mentioned this on a Wednesday night when I started the series on Wednesday nights that we're in entitled Under Construction that God is building his house in us. I don't go to Africa very often. Don't travel much anymore. Only about once every six weeks. You may say, wow, that much? Well, you don't know how much I used to travel. (laughs) That's not much at all. But I'll only travel about once every six weeks these days. Since COVID, and by the way, I am loving being at home. I love being with my family. I love being with this church. I love being here at the office. I'm here seven days a week. You say, don't you take any days off? I had not been to work in years. I love what I do so much. Man, just get out of my way and let me come be in the presence of God. I, I have joy in my heart when I'm in the house of God. But I did happen to be overseas and someone from the office sent me an email. And brother Michael, one of our long-term members of the church, he and his wife, precious people, they mean so much to us. His father had passed who had long-term dementia. Michael went through that loss and I found out about it. So I called him from Africa and we talked and he said, you know, pastor, he said, I'm glad that my dad's suffering is over. He said, but near toward the end, the last, I don't even know how long it was, extended period of time. He said, my dad didn't even know me and I'm his only son. And dad didn't have a brother either. And I mentioned that for a reason. He said, dad didn't recognize any of us. And he was in this convalescence home, this extended care facility, and he said, I would go visit my dad and I would say, hey dad, uh, do you know who I am? And he would look at me and say, are you my brother? And of course it would tear Michael's heart up that his dad didn't know him and would think that he, had, that he was his brother when he didn't even have one. That's the advanced state of confusion that existed. Dementia and Alzheimer's had stripped away just about everything that this man knew. And he had been a child of God for many, many years, many years. And one day the nurse came in and she was singing a song, thank God for those who practice their faith and are not afraid to worship, no matter what their environment is. Because the song she was singing was a hymn And to her surprise, Michael's dad joined in and began to sing the hymn word for word, verse for verse. I love that. And she was so surprised. And she thought maybe he's had just a moment of lucidity. And so she came back through and she sang another hymn. And to her surprise, he sang that one too. Right along with her. And then she tried another one. And he sang that. And from that time forward, every time she would come in, she would sing a gospel hymn. And the old man would perk up and begin to sing word for word for word, the words of these beloved old hymns of praise to God. When Michael told me that, I'm gonna tell you, it brought tears to my eyes. Because I thought, God, Help me to reach the point that you're buried so deep in my heart that if sickness or disease strips away everything that I have, that the one thing that I refuse to let go of is that I love my Lord with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hallelujah. I may forget who you are, but I never would forget who my Jesus is. Oh, let's take a praise break right now. Somebody, let's give God some praise in this house. Hallelujah. 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 What I'm telling you is for that beloved child of God. His life had become worship. Worship wasn't what he did when he went to church because he couldn't even go there anymore. So the question that I have for you is how do you go from being a Sunday worshiper to living a life that becomes worship? 24 hours a day. Even while you're lying in your bed there is sleep at night. You're sending up praise to God. No matter what you're doing on the job, God looks at you and says, can you hear that angels? He's worshiping me. They say, it looks like he's doing his job, working behind the desk. No, that's what you see. But what I hear, I hear the sounds of worship coming out of his heart. Amen. Or her heart. How do you do that? To become a radical worshiper, the first thing you're gonna have to do is become radically thankful. And you know what that means? You might just need to change your attitude about life. Can I get real with you? We complain so much, don't we? I'm going to make a confession to you as pastor. There are some folk, I never ask them how they're doing. You're way ahead of me, aren't you? You know why I don't ask them? Because I don't have 30 minutes for an organ recital. And I don't mean the keyboards over here When I say organ I mean heart, liver, lungs, pancreas Kidneys, bursitis Arthritis So you know what I do when I come to those folk I say Praise God, so good to see you Isn't God good And then I move on I know Some of you are thinking, next time he does that to me, I'm going to look in the mirror and say, (laughs) was he talking about me that Sunday morning? If you got to ask. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. Don't take me serious. Amen. If you're going to become a radical worshiper, you've got to be a radical giver of thanks. After all, I don't know anybody here that's been shipwrecked three times, beaten 39 times with stripes on five different occasions, stone, left for dead. I don't know anybody here that's been through that. All in all, in spite of the challenges that we have in life, how many of you can say, God has been good to me? Can somebody shout it out? God has been good to me. Oh, bless your name, Lord. And just so you'll know, Paul continued to feel that way right up to the time that he was beheaded and execute Number two, if you're going to go from being a Sunday worshiper to a radical worshiper where your life becomes living worship, you need to stop complaining and feeling sorry for yourself. Negative thinking has an effect on you. It's negative faith really is. And Jesus said in Matthew 9 29, that according to your faith, it will be done. Now we always take that to mean that if I can believe God, if I can believe God, I'll get my prayer answered. Hallelujah. I'm going to get in the word and I'm going to study the word and I'm going to listen to preaching and I'm going to pray and I'm going to build my faith up. Guess what? You've got faith all the time. You're Positive faith may be weak and your negative faith may be strong, but you've got faith. And the reason we get in the word and the reason we pray and the reason we listen to preaching is to build up our positive faith and make our negative faith weak. Hello, someone. You see, negative faith works in exactly the same way as positive faith does. According to your negative faith, it will be to you. This is what Job said. The thing that I feared has come upon me. When you begin to fear and live in fear and stress and you worry, all you're doing is focusing attention. Negative faith is directing life to carry you to a negative conclusion works exactly the same way that positive faith works. And that is why you have to stop talking negative, even to yourself, because you can have some terrible conversations up here. I wish I could hear an amen. (laughs) Oh yes, you can. Hallelujah. If you talk to other people the way you talk to yourself, they'd run the other direction when they see you coming. Only guess what? Self doesn't have anywhere to run. This is why Thanksgiving is so important. Thanksgiving slams the door in the face of negative thinking. Hallelujah. The devil throws you a curve and he thinks he's gonna lay you out. And instead, what you do is say, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah for trusting me to walk through this. I thank you because in the book, there's a a promise that's going to deal with this and you will not allow your promises to go unrewarded. Amen. You hear my prayer when I pray. Thanksgiving shuts the door in the face of negativism. Let me tell you something to grow from being conformed and you the reason I say conform is because this world right now is at an all-time low when it comes to negativity. I didn't hear very many amen. It's at an all-time low. I don't care what kind of conversation you join. Somebody's griping about the economy and inflation and griping about politics and griping about this candidate and that candidate and griping about this. And, oh man, Well, wow. That's why a long time ago, going on three years now, will be three years before long. I stopped watching TV. I'm not going to watch that mess. I can get negative all by myself. I don't need the help of some news anchor telling me how bad things are. You say, man, you're living and you're not being informed. No, i got a news app. That way I can go to my news app and I can read what I want to read. Amen. But the world pretty much has become conformed to this whole concept of negative faith. And if you want to grow from being conformed to someone who is transformed you must first become informed. That's what the book is for. This is why Jesus said, you shall, what comes first? Know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you don't get informed, you will not be transformed. That's why you can't get too much of the word of God. You can get too little, but you can't get too much. Transformation requires that you receive new information. Number three, if you want to become a radical worshiper whose life becomes worship, change the way you think about God. If you're not a radical giver of thanks and a radical worshiper already, can I tell you this? Can I be real bold? You need to redefine who God is. You say, I know who God is. He's the big man upstairs. No, you need to redefine who he is. Because if you're not constantly thanking God, you don't know how good God is. He gave you the life that's in your body. He gave you the air that's in your lungs. He's making your heart beat 70 times every minute. Oh, somebody in the building ought to listen to what I'm talking about. (laughs) Hallelujah. He's provided for you your whole life. Like they say, God is good. And like somebody else said, Yeah, and so if you're not giving God thanks and you're not constantly praising and worshiping him, just between me and you, you might want to redefine who God is because the God I serve is so good. There aren't enough hours in the day for me to thank him for everything he's done for me. Amen. God is on our side. And number four, practice expressing your thanks to God often until it becomes a way of life. Let's do that right now. Okay, the drink offering was a joyous thing. I want somebody with a smile on their face to think about, I mean, put one on your face right now is what I mean by I want somebody in the building to think about something good God has done for you. You got it? Anybody in the building? Did he save you when you were lost? Did he forgive you when you were undone? Did he find you when you couldn't get out of it by yourself? Did he do what the psalmist did or said he did and he reached into the miry clay and drew you out and set you on a rock? Did God deliver you from drugs? Did God deliver you from immorality? Did God deliver you from alcoholism? Somebody in the building ought to be giving God some praise. Hallelujah. Woo. Stand with me across the building right now. Lord, I praise you. You've been good to me. You've been good to me. You've been good to me. me. I've survived stuff. That I wasn't supposed to survive. I've made it through things that the devil looked at me and said, No way you're going to get over this. But here I am. I'm still in the house of the Lord. Worshiping God Almighty. I've got joy in my soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is better than winning the Powerball lottery. Amen. My name is written in the book of life. I'm a child of God. Oh, did you hear what I'm saying? I am a child of God. I don't deserve it. People ask me, "How you doing?" I say better than I deserve because I am every head bowed who in this building needs God in their heart you need to turn your attention toward the one who's been so good to you because the one who's trying to destroy you you pretty much gave him your life up to this point You don't need to do that anymore. Turn to the one who loves you. Would you slip up your hand and say, pray for me, pastor. That's me, I need God. God bless you, keep on. God bless you and you and you, hands going up all over the building. In the back, I see you waving your hands, watching online. I wanna pray for you, Father. I ask you to forgive us of our sins I pray this prayer on behalf of all of those Who need you today As they join with me And pray this same prayer in their hearts Cleanse us O Lord Save us I put my trust in you right now And I make you my Lord and Savior For the rest of my life You're a good God And I don't want to live my life without you. I receive you now in Jesus name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Let's have a party for those that just prayed that prayer. Come on, let's celebrate. Hallelujah. We welcome you as you take your first steps as a believer. And a part of the body of Christ They're going to put up on the screen behind me A number And also a QR code You can go to either one of those Text to that number We'd love to hear from you Please do three other things In addition to praying that prayer you just prayed Get baptized if you haven't We baptize people this morning We do it Sunday after Sunday Number two Go on and be filled full of the Holy Spirit And number three Become a part of a Bible-believing church, and we would love to have you be a part here. Become a devout believer. I write a daily devotional that goes out every day to a select number of people. All you have to do is text to the number they're putting up on the screen, text the word JOIN, and you can get that Bible study delivered to your phone. won't cost you anything. And you can go to the foot of the cross in your daily devotions, with a whole lot of other people. I think somewhere around 2,400 families right now that are doing the same devotional every day. Now, I want our prayer counselors to please come. And as we get ready to leave, prayer counselors, come take your places. Right through that door. I will be there in just a few minutes. I'd love to meet you if you're a first-time attendee. So you'll get to know who some of the leaders... And pastors or some of our staff will be there as well. You don't have to worship when you don't even know anybody at a church. whole lot better whenever you are with people that you know. Now, you know what I'd love for us to do? Anybody in this building want to become a radical worshiper? You want your life to become worship? Only problem is you're facing some challenges right now. Come on down here. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Come on down here, those of you that need to get through this. Hallelujah. There are so many testimonies in this altar. So many testimonies. That's Paul's sister. Can I share a little bit of your testimony? This dear lady was addicted to drugs for years. How about twenty years. Twenty years. I was on every single solitary day. drugs every day for the last two years. Had been addicted for twenty. God set her free. Give God some praise. Give God some praise. I just, you know, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but is there anybody else here that that your big struggle was drugs? Do you mind raising? Right here. My God, have mercy. If you ever notice, right over here, and he doesn't do it to call attention to anybody, you can't keep him glued to his seat. But you he just told us why just then. How many years were you? I've over ten, but I was I for about twenty years. On meth for twenty years in God's that's a word for somebody in this house. Come on, somebody, give God some praise right now. Give God some praise. Somebody's going to get delivered in this house this morning. Somebody's going to get set free. My God, I I know I'm taking a couple of minutes. Just give me just another 60 seconds. How many here today were delivered from alcohol? Anybody? Oh, my give God some praise I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands but some were delivered delivered from immorality how many were healed of cancer could I see your hand Lord look at the hands that are going up in this room my God have mercy How many came through an automobile accident they should not have survived? Look at the hands. Patricia, I didn't know you'd been through it. God have mercy. I want you to lift your hands right now. There is a breakthrough atmosphere in this building right now. Father, I speak deliverance to people in this altar. There are people who need a miracle and I'm asking you to open heaven over this altar and I want you to set people free. Turn us into radical givers of thanks. Turn us into people who cannot stop expressing our gratitude to you. Hallelujah, you've done so much for us. And then let our lives become lives of radical worship. You're such a good God. You're such a good God. With your hands raised today, I want you to shout these words out loud. Today, I am claiming my breakthrough. Come on, shout it out loud. I am claiming my breakthrough breakthrough. I am claiming my breakthrough. Hallelujah. 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 Now, is there anybody that had just made that statement? that will end this service by giving God the kind of praise he deserves for having heard your prayer. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Bless your name.